9, 10, and 11. The Apostle Paul is speaking about the Jews. Why? We've discussed that. Because in the chapter immediately preceding Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11 is Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul lays out a series of promises. A series of promises that every follower of Jesus, and that's what you are, followers of Jesus, can go to the bank with, except humans are not owners of the bank. God is the owner of the bank. A series of promises that if you believe and live by them, if you believe and live the promises that the Apostle Paul lays out in Romans chapter 8, it will be impossible for you to go unnoticed wherever you are. Impossible for you to go unnoticed by those who you come into contact with day in and day out. If you believe and live the promises of Romans chapter 8, we spent three months in that chapter. Romans chapter 8, which concludes with this, it says in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress Shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall danger, shall the sword separate us from the love of Christ? No, they will not. But on the contrary, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let me tell you. If you believe and live that promise alone, much less the other 10 or 12 that are in that chapter, those observing you will notice he's not like any other man. She is not just like any other woman. There is a beauty, there's a strength, there's an otherworldliness to that life. So important. are the promises in Romans chapter 8, again, some call it the peak of Mount Everest in the Bible, that the Apostle Paul does not want to leave any possible objection to, the, to these promises. And one possible objection was, well, what about Israel? It seems like God was not faithful to all the promises he made to Israel. God promised Israel that he would never separate himself from Israel. And look what has happened. Israel has rejected Jesus, their Messiah, and are now separate from God. And worse, many have made themselves enemies uh, of followers of Jesus Christ. 
So the Apostle Paul spends three chapters, Romans 9, 10, and 11, responding to that objection. We spent the last three months studying those three chapters. If you were not here, you may want to listen through the messages which are posted on the web. But um, in verse 28 through 32, it wraps up. It summarizes those three chapters. Romans 9, 10, and 11. It summarizes those three, three chapters. It summarizes the Apostle Paul speaking by the Holy Spirit, his response to, what about Israel? How can I believe the promises of Romans chapter 8? Who can separate us from the, the love of Christ? How, how can I believe that? What about Israel? Well, he summarizes all of it in verses 28 through 32 of Romans chapter 11. Let's start Read along with me, verse 28 says this. It says, concerning the gospel, the good news, the good news about Jesus Christ, that he came to live a perfect life in order to credit that perfect life to our account, that he came to die, that all the sins that would separate us from all eternity from God Eternal punishment was put on that, uh, 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 that, that taste of that wrath of God, that punishment was put on Jesus on the cross. That he came and he, 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 after he died, he rose from the dead. Concerning, verse 28, the gospel, speaking of Israel, their enemies for your sake, meaning many Jews had become enemies of followers of Jesus. But continue on with me. But concerning the election, they are beloved. For the sake of the fathers. Meaning as far as God's plan of salvation and redemption. Because of his promises to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Israel's beloved. And will. At a point of time in the future. Turn from being enemies to followers of Jesus. That's Romans 9. 10 and 11 in, in summary. Verse 29 uh, continues. It says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They are irrevocable. What a verse. What an oft-quoted verse. What is true of Israel is also true of you once God has called you, once he has gifted you with promises such as the promises of Romans chapter 8 in all these things we are, you are more than a conqueror. He doesn't revoke that calling. He doesn't re revoke the promise. You may fail God terribly. That changes nothing. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. They're unchangeable, immovable grounded in that foundation, solid as a rock. Verse 30 continues, read along with me, Romans chapter 11, verse 34, as you, speaking to Gentiles, non-Jews, Romans, for as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience. Even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy 
For God has committed them, speaking of Israel, God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. And so right there in verse 32, speaking of the Jews, Paul says God has committed them all to disobedience, meaning at the time that he wrote this letter, God had given the Jews over to their own disobedience. You want to reject the uh, Messiah? Your Messiah, Jesus, okay, reject him. He gave them over to their own disobedience. However, Notice, he's clearly talking here not of every single Jew alive at the time because many Jews, including the Apostle Paul himself, as well as the other apostles, all of whom were Jewish, had embraced the Messiah Jesus. So when um, Paul uses the word all, try to follow me here, when he uses the word all in verse 32, he's not talking about every single Jew who was alive. He was talk- talking about Israel, speaking of the nation of Israel, the Jewish, of nation, Jewish nation as a whole. They had been given over to disobedience for a season, the verse says, until the time he, God, would have mercy on all says verse 32, speaking not of every Jewish person who is alive, but of Israel as a whole. Now, so there, he, he, let me just hit the pause button just for, for one moment there. Remember last week in verse 26, if you go back to verse 26, where Paul says, so all Israel will be saved. Remember we talked about that last week? Remember? All right. Speaking of the time of Jesus' return, what would happen to Jews? And we talked last week whether Paul, when he says all there, in verse 26, does that mean every single Jewish uh, that was alive at the time? And I mentioned at the, last week, I thought, it, uh, I thought it, the answer was yes, but as we continue to read throughout the chapter, verse 32, I was wrong. All is speaking of the nation. Because again, verse 32, God has committed them all to disobedience, meaning not every Jewish who was alive, alive at the time, Paul himself was Jewish and he had embraced Jesus. So speaking of the Jews as a nation, there would be a time, verse 32 concludes, that God will have mercy on all. He'll have mercy on the Jewish people. So more on that next week with Trevor Rubenstein here, uh, who is with um, Chosen People Ministries and a friend of ours. Okay. So let's move on to verses 33 to 36. At this point, there's a huge shift. Verses 33 through 36 are transition verses. They are a bridge connecting the first 11 chapters of Romans, Romans chapters 1 through 11, 
to the last five chapters, chapters 12 through 16. Remember what I, we have been saying all along about the book of Romans. The book of Romans is an exhaustive theology of all of Christianity by the Apostle Paul, meaning Christianity from A to Z by the Apostle Paul. That's what the book of Romans is. Chapters 1 through 11 are about what one subject, really, what to believe. If you are a follower of Jesus, what to believe about God, about who he is, about what he's done, about what he's doing, about man, about heaven, about hell, about how God has interacted um, with the world in the past, how he was doing so now, and how he will interact with the world in the future. What to believe, Romans chapters 1 through 11. We're about to go in a completely different direction when we start Romans 12 next week. Romans 12 through 16 is about, now that I've told you what to believe, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Too many of us grew up in churches teaching us only what to do. You do this, do this, do this, do that, do that, do that, do that. It's never the model <laughs> in the New Testament. It starts, the, each, each of Paul's letters really starts just pouring into us about this is what you believe, this is what to believe, this is who God is. And now once you figure out, once you learn who God is, then... Filled with the knowledge and power of God, we can go out and do what he's told us to do. Now, verses 33 through 36 are like transition verses. They, it leads us to a, a chapter 12, verse 1, which is the, the first what to do verse Really, in the book of Romans. It's, it, what is it? Let's read it together. It says, I beseech you. Meaning, I beg you therefore. Meaning, anytime you see the word therefore, it's speaking about everything that went before. I beseech you therefore. I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Holy, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service, meaning this is what Christians do. They offer their lives as a living sacrifice. But he said that not before the previous 11 chapters. So I am looking so forward to starting next week in Romans chapter 12. There's so much about love, loving your neighbors, loving your enemies, respecting the government, go to church, serve there, just be a blessing to, to everybody you're around. That's coming up chapters 12 through 16. Verses 33 through 36 of Romans 11 is a bridge 
between really what is the first part or part one of Romans to part two. So let's start in Romans 33. Let's, let's read about this, uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Let's read this transition. It's really, this is, this is all about worship. Verses 33 through 36. It starts this way. Again, after Paul just spent 11 chapters talking about who God is, what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will de- do, he says in verse 33, Oh, the depth. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment. And his ways past finding out. Okay, let's break that verse down. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. That word depth, what is meant there is infinitely deep. Meaning, it's so deep that you never get to the bottom. I was reading about the most deepest lake in the world. It's in the middle of Siberia in Russia. It's five miles deep. Crater Lake in the Pacific Northwest in our country is the deepest lake in our country, one mile deep. One mile deep, that's ridiculously deep. Five miles deep, a lake But this is not speaking of a lake or an ocean for which there is a bottom. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. This is speaking of a depth that is infinitely deep. No matter how much you drink from the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, who God is, what he has done, what he's doing, what he will do, the vastness of his love, the staggering sacrifice of sending his son Jesus Christ to the world to save you, his astonishing power. He merely spoke a word and the worlds were created. The the star up in the heavens in the solar system, Betelgeuse, one of the largest stars in the sky. It's 1,400 times the size of the sun. It's traveling at 18 miles per second. God and his power launched that thing. Not only created it, he launched it into space. No matter how much you drink from the riches of the knowledge of God, there is still more, an infinite depth of getting to know him. When verse 33 speaks of the knowledge of God here, It says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. When it speaks of that, it's not talking about intellectual knowledge of facts about God. It's talking about a knowledge that makes your heart 
explode with worship. And no matter how many, speaking of infinite depth of that knowledge, what it's, the point is, no matter how many new explosions have taken place in your heart and mind and soul, as you get to know God, there are an infinite amount of explosions more. Your heart is going to be exploding forever. Getting to know the depth of who God is. An infinite number of explosions. There's some of you in this room, you have no clue what I'm talking about. You're like, what a weird dude. Speaking of explosions in his heart, when he gets to know God more, Oh, that I pray, I pray that you wouldn't leave this room until you get a taste of that. That does happen. That's what getting to God, getting to know God involved. I was just talking with a a sister last week. It was really her first experience of getting to know God. She was driving her car and all of a sudden the goodness of God, uh, she was listening to to, to a worship song, the goodness of God. uh, She was confronted with it for the first time. She began to weep. She had to pull over to the side of the road and her heart was just exploding. That's what happens. If that's never happened to you, something is wrong. And it's, it, 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 God wants you to, 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 to have that experience. No matter how long you've spent here in New England, the frozen chosen up here. Listen, I was born here. This is what all my ancestors were like. The frozen chosen. God will, will thaw you he will melt your hard, frozen heart and you, will t- you can taste and that your heart can explode. I, have a, I heard a great illustration of what infinity, the infinite depths of the riches of the knowledge and wisdom of God. I heard a great illustration of what infinite, infinity as it pertains to God actually means. Question for you. I hate math. I tell you I hate it. But I know there's people in this room, including my wife, who like, who love math. I mean, that's, that's weird. Uh, okay? Someone who loves math. You're weird for, 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 for loving math. Not really. Um, uh, 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 but, but if you have an infinite number, if you have an infinite number, and from that infinite number, you subtract any finite number, how much do you have? That's right, you have infinity. Now for those of you who takes a little while to figure out math. <laughs> Here's an example. Infinite, in, infinity minus 10,000 is what? Infinity minus 100,000 equals what? 
infinity. Infinity minus a million equals what? Right, so only finite numbers become smaller when you subtract something from them. So if I'm, since I'm a finite creature, at least here on earth, each day that I live is one day less. Days that I will live. In eternity, after a day in eternity, I have no less days. Anyone? Sound familiar to anyone? What? Amazing grace, maybe? How about it? This is amazing grace. I think it's the, is it the fifth verse, Dan? When we have been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, when we've been there 10,000 years. Will you sing with me? Bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. So after 10,000 years, you have no less years, you have no less days to sing God's praise than when you first got to heaven. That is infinity. It will take you forever and me to see and experience and admire and get to know the fullness of who God is. It will take eternity. It will take an infinite amount of time. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Oh, the infinite depth. And so, you look at a promise like we saw in Romans chapter 8. A promise... Like verse 29, there's one of the many promises in Romans chapter 8. It says, of whom God foreknew, speaking of you in this room, that verse is saying, those of you who he foreknew, and that if, if, if you're a Christian, that's, if all of you are Christians, it would mean all of you who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. How in the world does that happen? How in the world does something like that ever happen where we continue to grow? Year after year after year, even though it's, the same Bible. You can read through this Bible in, you know, in a month. And soon after you start reading it, you're reading the same thing over again and over and over. How do you continue to grow? Well, it looks something like this. Hey, remember when we were in the book of John? 
When we were in the book of John, just a few years ago, Jesus is just about to be arrested. It's late at night. And he is just about to be arrested, dragged to two separate, three or four actually separate trials, beaten beyond recognition. And crucified with the wrath of God poured on him in such a way that he, with such intensity that he cries out, oh my God, my God, how, why have you forsaken me? It's just before that. And he knows it's going to happen. He knows it's going to happen. And this is what he says to his disciples. He's been speaking to him. And he says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. You mean, do you mean, God, that you love me like that? That this book. You put in place this book. You, you shared these words with me so that my joy may be full. You love me that much. And then just a little while later, in John chapter 16, the last instruction that Jesus gave to his disciples before being Arrested, he said, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. Do you mean J- Jesus, right before he's about to be arrested, this is what he cares about? This is what he wants to say? He reserves his very last words to tell me that he loves me so much that the the things that he has shared, this book, he shared that I would have peace. First John 5, 13. It's very similar. Written also by John says this. These things, not that I have spoken, but I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know that you have eternal life. I I, I sent around to our evangelism training team last summer um, a discussion of leaders from every major religion, and then there was also an atheist. No one at that table other than the man of God representing Christ had any assurance of their salvation and they were leaders in their religion. There was no assurance. I am told by God, these things I have written to you who believe in the Son of God that you may know, not that you just think, not that you're thinking, well, if I'm good enough, not not that, well, if I stay in the way that I'm in, no, no, that you may know right now for certain that you are going to heaven. God, you love me that much? 
You love me that much that you would trust me enough to, to tell me something like that, knowing I could take and, and take advantage of that grace and go out and live like a dog? Yeah, he loves me that much. He loves you that much. The point of all this, the point of where I'm trying to get at is that you take all that just where we were in the book of John, just those words, and even as they make, made my heart explode a few years ago, speaking of them, they made my heart explode with just love and worship for God. That's just the beginning. And even after the 10,000th explosion, of di- after discovering something new about God, the Bible says, oh, the depths of the, the infinite depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. The Bible says that I'm still at the beginning. <laughs> How do you guys think I can be up here after 17 years pre- preaching twice a week, two different sermons? It's this very thing. There is no depth. There is, the well is bottomless. You just keep on drinking of the word of God and there's, the, it, as soon as you take up the water, the, 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 uh, some of the riches, he replaces it with an infinite number more of riches, an infinite amount more of riches. Let's continue. The second half of verse 33 says, oh, the depths. Rather, the second half of verse 33 says this. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor who has known the mind of the Lord the depths of of the mind of the Lord are infinite we will never be able to fully know the mind of the Lord or who has become His counselor. Well, we have. We give God advice every day, don't we? Every day we're giving God advice. This is who, who has become his counselor. Verse 35, or who has first given to him that it shall be repaid to him? Verse 36, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Verse 35 says, who can give to God something to repay him for something? Because, verse 36 says, because of him and through him 
and to him are all things, meaning don't think he can try to give God something that he hasn't already given you first. Anything that we give to God, we're just giving to him something that he has first given to us. Or who has, verse 35, who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? Don't try. To give something to God, to get eternal life, to get a relationship with him. If I'm good enough, I can come into relationship with God. No, you can't do that. The Bible says all that you can give God, the only thing that we can give God uh, in order to enter into an eternal relationship with God, which um, starts at the moment we say, yes, God, I'm all in. And you open open your heart and say, come in, King Jesus is our faith. But Ephesians chapter 2 says even our faith is a gift from God. We, Ephesians 2, 6 through 8, we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And so uh, it says in verse 36, for of him and through him and to him are all things. I want to call the worship team up at this time. Your life was created, was designed by God to to be of him, through him, and to him. Your life was designed to be all about God. Verse 36, for of him and through him and to him are all things, including your life. If you have lived any part of your life as if even one part of your life is yours, you've been living as a fool a spectacular fool in the eyes of heaven. Because of him and through him and to him are all things. Your life is of him, meaning it was created by him. It says, and through him, by the Holy Spirit, God wants to take your life, which is of him, and by the Holy Spirit, meaning through him, transform you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And then it says, and to him, so that you will be a reflection 
of praise and glory to God. Do you understand now why the first 11 chapters, Paul focuses on what to believe? About who God is? About his love for you? About his wrath, about heaven, about hell, about his glory? Once you have started the process of drinking from the infinite depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, you will start walking with God. You will become un you will become it will be impossible for you to be unnoticeable day in and day out with the people that you're around. They they will look at you and say, now that is otherworldly. That life is not of this world. Let's close in worship. Please rise. If you've been asked to pray, please come up.